Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. It was more stressful than it needed to be. But in the end, I think most 49ers fans are happy with the way that it turned out. This is Al Sacco for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. No Zane today, but I'm here. I'm going to take you through the draft. I'm going to take you through the emotions. We're going to talk about where the Niners are headed from here with Trey Lance, with their other picks, what the season's going to look like. But before we do, I'm pretty excited because uh, one of my favorite podcasts is Haberman and Middlecoff. I really discovered them probably about a month or two ago, maybe about two months. And I know I'm really late to the party on that, but definitely one of my favorite podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts consistently, but that's one now that most of the episodes I, I definitely like to check out. So I'm really excited to have one of the co-hosts of the show on today, our guest, Guy Haberman. Guy, thanks for being here today. You got it, Al. Good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you finally. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of the show. I, I love what you guys do. And before we get into the 49ers, I w- want to hear a little, little bit about you. How did you get your start and how did Haberman and Middlecoff come to be? So uh, John and I grew up in Davis and um, that were, that's where John grew up his whole life. My dad was in the Air Force and we moved there before uh, junior high, ninth grade. And uh, when I was in high school, there's a local um, television station in, in Davis. For people that don't know, it's you know just outside of Sacramento, UC Davis, small college town. So you know, it's not like a major TV market, but mm. there was a local ac- cable access channel that um, carried the local, uh, carried some lo- local high school games. And so uh, that's where I started doing what you'd consider broadcasting, I guess. Um, and then I went to Fresno State and started doing uh, a lot of radio shows and calling games there. And uh, from that, I, I hosted a local radio show on the uh, ESPN affiliate radio station in Fresno for a number of years. And that whole time, you know, I'm doing minor league baseball, and we had uh, we actually had an arena two football team in Fresno at the time. I don't know if you if people even knew there was a minor. There was a it was called the AF two. It was the AFL's minor league, believe it or not. And uh, I did that for a few years. Fred Bolitnikoff Jr. was the head coach, awesome guy, <laughs> and uh, that was a blast. So you know, I was doing uh, local high school football and doing that and doing. Um, some college football in the Western Athletic Conference call, in terms of calling games and doing the uh, minor league baseball for the Fresno Grizzlies for three years and doing um, a radio show every day, uh, doing an afternoon show. And then um, at the end of 2012, I came up to San Francisco uh, to do uh, the night show and the A's pre and post game show on 95 7 the game, starting in like the end of 2012, very end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Um, and then uh, the next year, maybe 14, I can't quite, 13, yeah, probably 14, um, started having John on the show, uh, and uh, he was the West Coast scout, so we actually lived near each other again, and we had actually lived together at Fresno State when um, he came to work at Fresno State in the football program as a graduate assistant. So I started having him on my night show uh, as a guest, and then um, they put us together during the daytime until 2016 and we left the radio station and started the podcast. So that's, that's actually the quick version uh, of the story, but I think that catches us up. And then, and then in that time I've been doing, you know, for a while there, I was doing stuff for 
the local uh, Comcast station in the Bay Area, um, NBC Sports Bay Area, and doing a lot of Pac-12 network games. So I've been doing games for the Pac-12 network for a number of years for you know football and basketball and some baseball and some games for Fox Sports 1 um, with hoops and, and football as well. So I think, that's, uh, I think that's the basics. So you guys have known each other for a long time then, you and John. Yeah, yeah. Going back to, um, I mean, freshman year of high school would have been, uh, uh, let me think for a second, graduate, uh, 302, like 01, 2000 maybe, 2000, 2001, some, somewhere in that range we probably met. Wow, well, that explains the chemistry. Because <laughs> you guys have good chemistry. If you've known each other that long, that's cool. Good for you, man. It's, it's cool to be able to do a podcast with one of your buddies, be as successful as you are. Good for you guys. It's good to hear. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It makes it, um, as someone who's done a lot of radio, uh, both by myself and with other people, it's, uh, you know, it's hard. It's, it's gotta, it's, it's, I think there are a lot of people out there doing shows together, probably more so in radio than in podcasting. I would think in podcasting, because you have to really build it from the ground up, you probably don't yeah. start with somebody you hate. Uh, in radio, I think there are more forced marriages, right? And, um, and that can be a grind, but yeah, it's, uh, to do it well, I, I, I think it's hard to do it well if you're not enjoying it, for sure. Definitely. So we'll get in into the forty nine Yeah, and we'll get into the 49er stuff in a second here, I promise. But it's so difficult, like you said, with podcasts too, because there's so many podcasts, especially 49ers podcasts. I mean, there's a million of them. You know, there's a million clowns like me out there with podcasts and doing all this stuff. So to stick out, you know. Well, but, I it's nice you to say, Al, but I mean, like, there's I there are a lot of consumers. Definitely. You know, and yeah, um, I think there's a place for for a lot of the content that's out there. Now, it takes work, it takes dedication, it takes consistency, it takes a lot of things. But um, I think one thing we're seeing is everything. I'm not breaking any news. This is you know, as everything gets so segmented um, in all the various categories of media, TV, radio, podcast, now um, streaming, whatever. Um, a lot of people are finding that you know niche is not niche doesn't mean small um and niche can grow into into bigger niches too you know so uh it's cool i think it's great i i've definitely noticed the uh wide number the large number of niners content sometimes i wonder like are there this many bears podcasts or this are there this many <laughs> right? <bucks? laughs> yeah. blogs and podcasts is there, is there this many titans uh vikings i you know i don't uh, I, if someone has to answer that, I would love to hear. I don't know what you think. Are there this many Bears podcasts? You know I have, it's a great question. I've, I've <laughs> had that discussion with people too. I have no idea. It seems like there's so much 49ers con- content and so many blogs and, and it's great for the fans, you know? But yeah, I don't know if other it's teams cr- are like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's also partly the 49ers. Like the 49ers are, we saw this the last month and, you know, the power of the NFL is huge. The The floor for an NFL team is very high in terms of... Yep how much attention it can get. But the Niners, you know, if you, if you made your super league, um, the Niners will be in it. Like they're the most powerful franchises in the NFL. And thus you become one of, that means you're one of the most powerful franchises in sports. So, you know, we, we are, we are all, when it comes to, the, when it comes to Niners specific stuff, I think, uh, there's a lot of people. Yes. But I, I, the pool, the, 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 this, this lake's pretty big. There's a lot of fish. Yeah, the Niners definitely definitely are one of those glory franchises. And and look, when you think about quarterbacks in the NFL, you you think about the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young. It hasn't been that way in the last 20 years. And, and I think that's why this pick has been 
there's been so much speculation and so much news and because it's the 49ers quarterback and the speculation leading up to this was just the month was stressful. <laughs> it was insane. Where were you with all the Mac Jones rumors? Were, were you buying into them? Did, did you think there was more there? What was your thought as, as all this was unfolding? Well, I, I think, and that's the beauty of doing uh, you know all the stuff that we do. You can go back and check the tape. But um, I think my first reaction to all of it was <clears throat> that it's it was a little alarming to me that the uh, that that the messaging was also similar, mm-hmm. and I and I said I said it at the time. Like I, maybe this is true, but I'm a little alarmed by how universally, um, not everyone believes it because the Jets thing, everyone basically knew who the Jets were taking, but there wasn't really much discussion. I didn't feel like there was you know 37 reports a day about why the Jets are taking Zach Wilson. It was pretty quiet. The Niners thing had a different energy to it. The Mac Jones specifically stuff had a different energy to it. Um, and so I was not convinced that they were taking Mac Jones and said as much. Um, I, I didn't think it was impossible either. But, you know, at various points over the course of the month, I said, I, I think the guy that makes the most sense is Trey Lance based on what he'd done in college, based on um, what Kyle Shanahan had said his ideal quarterback is. Um, now I do think, you know, we can, when it's done and I, I, you know, partly you expect this kind of thing to happen. It's understandable. It's done. We know the result. And then we look back at everything that happened. We look back at the press conferences and say, oh, that's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. That's what he was mm-hmm. saying. And I do think we have to be careful with that. Cause I think you can make some mistakes there too. Um, I, I do believe that they really like Trey Lance from the beginning. And I think it's, perfectly reasonable to take them at face value when they say he was at the top of the list. Not because I'm not saying you should take NFL teams at face value with what they say. I'm just saying, I think that's a pretty reasonable conclusion to reach based on the fact that a lot of people could watch Trey Lance and go, yeah, that would be the guy. Um, you know, the NFL watched all the quarterbacks. Where would Trey Lance have gone if the Niners didn't draft him? I don't know, but I know that fields went 11. I know that Mac Jones went 15. So Obviously, teams wanted those players. They were in the top half of the draft, or specific mm-hmm. teams wanted them. But it's not exactly like the league was falling over itself the second Justin Fields was available at four. So um, I think it's reasonable to think that that Trey Lance being the number one prospect of that three of those three makes the most sense. And, and again, I think there are a lot of reasons why he did make the most sense for the Niners. I say all that to say, I I don't think it was crazy at a point in time that they did also consider Mac Jones. Um, does that mean that when they, the Monday before the draft, it was, they're biting their fingernails and finally Kyle tells John Lynch, okay, we're going with Trey and it was 51, 49 Trey Mac Jones. No, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I do think when they traded up, if they had Trey in mind, they still were open to just, let's do it the right way. Now let's do our due diligence. Let's make sure we're absolutely positive that we draft the guy that we want. I think it's easy now to go back and say, see, the all of the Trey Lance thing was 100% BS. Uh, I believe a lot of it was BS. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I tend to believe sometimes there's a little truth in everything. And that's one I, I do think there was. I think, I think they investigated Trey Lance as if, let's be open-minded. Excuse me. I think they investigated Mac Jones as if, let's be open-minded to what we find. 
ultimately, I think from a value standpoint, they clearly made the right decision because they could have got him 12. Right. And even that would have not, you know, I don't think it's a great pick at 15, but I understand it. So uh, it's it, the whole month. It's There's so many kind of branches off of this tree, Al, and it's kind of complicated to try and say it in the most succinct way. I don't think the, they, I don't think Mac Jones was the top of their list when they made that trade, but let's not overcorrect and say that they never, ever, ever, even for a second considered Mac Jones. Cause I don't think that's true. I, I think they thought about it at a certain time in the timeline of it. I think they arrived at the right place. That's who I would have drafted. And I said, so, um, and it would not surprise me if under with some truth serum, we found out that they even maybe gave Mac a little more consideration than they gave Fields. So I think they arrived at the right spot. Um, but you know, I, I I think it's easy to rewrite history and say it was Trey Lance the whole time and one hundred percent of it was Trey Lance and zero percent anybody else. And I don't buy that. And you like Trey Lance, and, and so do I. What, what are some things that you like about Lance as a quarterback on the field, off the field? Why do you think he was the right pick? Well, I think one thing that's really hard to judge is the, um, like, what can a player do, particularly for a Kyle Shanahan offense, right? More so in the college game now than ever when there's so much control from the coaches and the players. The quarterback is, in terms of just adjusting at the line of scrimmage, um, asked to do so little. Like I think one of the things that's really underrated about Aaron Rodgers for all his skills is that he's everything I've heard about Aaron and I've talked to college teammates about him is that he's got a photographic memory. Like mm-hmm. yes, he might be the most talented quarterback of all time, but Aaron, as we find out, remembers everything. And um that's partly a joke about what's going on with him and his franchise right now, but I think it's really about and the stories go back to college with Rodgers that he would get in the huddle and go Okay, here's the play call. But in fact, what's going to happen? Why don't you just do this? You just do this, and you just do that, and and let's make a play. Kind of Farvian, um, football savant stuff. And so I think when I watch Trey, you see the obvious physical stuff. I love, you know, just the body, the arm. I think for a guy, when you talk about like, I've heard the Kaepernick comparison. I don't love the Kaepernick comparison because, first of all, I think. I think we'll see how it looks in the NFL. To me, Colin was more, maybe was a little faster straight line, although I know Trey ran that, apparently that 21 mile an hour touchdown run. Um, but I, I watched all of Colin in college and Colin did not, I don't think, come out of college with the touch that Trey has, the ability yeah, to have with the strong arm to also be able to throw with touch. So that's one thing with a strong armed young guy to be able to throw with touch. I think from everything I've heard, all this stuff, because you hear it all the time. All oh, this, this guy's really smart. This guy's really smart. I, I do think they believe that Trey, Lance, and I buy it based on what we know that was on his shoulders in college, is just a very high intellect. I think he's a really smart guy. Um, and it, you know, you do have to be able, you got to have a lot of, you know, brain power to operate with a Kyle Shanahan offense. So, um, that's another part of it. But I, but I thought when I watched him, he just, I thought so often he looked in control. Um, he did run a lot, but I, I think his high, his ceiling is so high. There's so much clay to work with here. Came from a very good program. I know it was an FCS level, but we've seen them now consistently put, I shouldn't say consistently, it's probably a stretch, but they've now recently put a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL ahead of them. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a well-oiled machine of a program. So physical traits, youth, 
I think a lot of clay to work with. I think disposition, great. I think everything I've heard, brain power, strong, like really smart guy. Um, I've watched him talk and, you know, you, I try not to overstate that kind of stuff, 10 minutes of an interview, but I just, I, I can see why they really like him. I see why Kyle Shanahan said, after I'd watched all the tape, I met him. If I'd met him first, I would have been afraid that I wasn't going to like the tape because I liked the guy so much. And I, I do believe that. I think there's a lot of that for him. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know really. I mean, if you started going down the list of what else you'd want, you'd want more production at a higher level. You'd probably want a little more accuracy. But man, I, I think there's a ton there. I think there's a ton there from, from every category. And you said something on your show about how in Kyle Shanahan's biggest moments, he was ultra, ultra aggressive and got burned. Uh, Atlanta with the Super Bowl trying to pass on third and one or whatever it was. And Jimmy in the Super Bowl, you, you brought up, everybody remembers the bomb he missed to Sanders, but it was the fourth down play where he got sacked and they didn't even get the ball off. So yeah. when, when you look at the way those plays broke down, do you think those moments maybe in a way led Kyle to make this aggressive decision to move up and get a quarterback like this? And, and, uh, well, yes, uh, I, well, let me rephrase. I don't think those moments led him to this. I think those moments are reflective of who he is, right? Like, I, I don't think mm-hmm. we're here because Pat Mahomes beat him in the Super Bowl. I, I, I think we're here because he thinks that he needs more. I, I think he, like, I think we're really here because Jimmy got hurt. Like if Jimmy Garoppolo had been healthy the last several years, I don't know that we'd be here. Now, right. Garoppolo didn't look good early last season, so maybe we would be here anyway. Maybe he would have played the whole year, and he would have not been as good as he was the year prior, and this is where we would have arrived. But I think Kyle Shanahan is, uh, I think he's a creator. I think he's a creator. I think he loves to create. Um, I think he created with Robert, Robert, RG3. I think he created with RG3, something maybe a little unfamiliar with him to him, and it went really well. But I think he loves to create, and a quarterback that has more ability, a quarterback that has more talent, lets him stretch his brain a little more, um, lets him do some of the things that he imagines. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, those moments that I was talking about, I, I think are just reflective of who he is. I think Kyle Shanahan, I kind of joked in that podcast that you're referring to, that episode, um, you know, Kyle is kind of a... Kyle is, is kind of a juxtaposition because he's an offensive coach that wants to be smash mouth. So he's old school in some ways, but then he really is, is new school in a lot of ways, right? Like joggers and a flat bill and, uh, you know, just modern, cool Yeezys. Like he's, so he is kind of, and while I'm kind of half kidding when I say that, like I wouldn't judge a coach off of his joggers. I do think he, I think he's this really interesting mix of wanting to be a tough-nosed, defensive, run-the-ball team, but also wanting to be creative on offense and have playmakers all around. And, you know, IU can use Debo in these ways and get the ball to Kittle and have some really fast running backs. And so I, I think he's been typecast because of the quarterbacks he's had as a guy that only wants the quarterbacks who he will just do everything that he wants him to do and won't ever deviate from the plan. And as we know, those are not the best quarterbacks in the sport. Those are just, you know, you need a little creativity on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And and so I, I think it's more about that's who he is. I think we've seen who he is in some of those moments. It's why what happened at the end of the first half of the Super Bowl was it's partly why that was so jarring. Because I don't think that is who Kyle is. Um, but it's who he had to be in that moment because you know, he did not trust at the end of the half. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo enough to try and go force the issue, which was the prudent thing to do. I I I under I defended it at the time and I defended it to the day because I get it. But I don't think that's who he is. Last question on the QBs. If Lance even looks remotely ready, do you think he starts the season or do you, do you think they they are going to roll with Garoppolo and, and kind of slow play it with Lance? That is the biggest question to me. Like he said on Eisen the other day that it's Jimmy's job until Trey Lance is ready and then it's Trey Lance's opportunity to compete ready doesn't mean he just gets it he just said he'll it'll be clear that he's ready and when it's clear he's ready then he has a chance to compete and so the big question i have and the thing i've said to john a few times over the last few weeks is both before the pick and now since the pick is there a training wheels version of the offense that kyle shanahan would be willing to run with trey lance and to what let's just say jimmy has 100% 100% of the playbook down. How much playbook would Trey Lance be able to access? Uh, or how much playbook would he need him to be able to access? And what would that number be when Kyle is comfortable with him? Like, does Kyle need Trey Lance to know as much of the playbook as Jimmy in order for him to be the quarterback? Or does Trey Lance know in like 60% of it, but it's not the same 60% because he can do some different things than Garoppolo? Is that enough? That's the thing we. I just don't know the answer to. And so, you know, I think he's inclined to slow play it. But I also think, much like the quarterback situation when it came to evaluating guys, I think he's open-minded to, well, let's see if this guy can, if this guy's good enough that there's a version of this offense that I think will win, then let's go with that. I mean, it's what I'd like to see. You know, you watch what happened with Justin Herbert last year. I think at minimum we'll see him early in some form, you know, packages, that kind of thing, um, because he hasn't played in a year and uh, you don't play him much this year. Now he hasn't played in two years. So I do think there is, I think we'll see him. Um, and I do think he's open to starting him. But I, that's the, the one part of that, Al, I don't know is what, how much is he willing to deviate from what we've seen the last couple of years offensively to, you know, make sure that he can find a way to work Trey Lance into the offense. And my guess is that he's willing to deviate a little bit because it's, you know, we see it with him all the time. He works around his players. So it just depends like how, how much does uh, Trey Lance get Kyle's blood pumping here once he finally gets to see him and, and um, you know, how much is he willing maybe to, I don't even know if sacrifice is the word, because again, I think he can do some things that, right. That other guys can't do. Um, and so we might not even be talking about the same, you know, the the uh, the same bar for both players. And I mean, Jimmy was you think of the Rams game and the Patriots game before he was out for the season. He was he was throwing shovel passes, you know, so it's it's not like Kyle was really had the playbook going for him at the time. I don't know whether Jimmy was hurt or it was just a faith thing or whatever it was, but it seemed like Kyle had kind of dialed yeah. things back then, too, you know. So I just it's wonder if point. yeah, there there is, you know, a, a training wheel sort of offense that he he can put into gear with Lance and 
and Lance just offers more upside with with the off schedule plays or just more shots downfield. It's, it's going to be a really interesting off season. It really is. Um, so moving off of Lance a little bit, were there any picks that really stuck out to you other than Lance that you really liked or maybe didn't like in the draft for the Niners? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to attach to the easy one, but I did. I really like the Trey Sermon pick. Um, I I when they made the pick, didn't know anything about Elijah Mitchell. Since the draft, watching him, I like him. Uh, now he's a six-round running back, mm-hmm. but it's easy when I watched some of him at Louisiana to picture him in a Niners uniform. I don't know if if you felt that way at all, out, but um, I thought it was pretty easy to picture him. He looks faster than, I mean, he ran faster at his pro day. He lost some weight, so he looks. I don't know. I, he looks big, first of all. I thought you could clearly see, yeah, okay, he's not a he's not a burner, but he just gets from the line of scrimmage to like the second level really fast, which to me is just the hallmark of Shanahan guys always running backs to me always look like they've been um uh like they've been trying to get off the bench and like they've been held back and the the second they get their first carry it's everyone let go of them and they just explode with a head of steam. Mm-hmm. And that's how Elijah Mitchell looked to me. So I, I did like that pick. You know, he basically split carries last year with a guy who who the Raiders signed as an undrafted free agent. He got about a third of the carries. So he was not just a number one bell cow guy, um, but he did carry quite a bit. So I I, I thought watching him, he looked like he fit. Um, you know, the the Talanoa Hufunga pick to me was interesting. That was a I think Lynch called him an old school badass. Really a productive player at a big school. Um, a buddy of mine who had a number of USC games and analysts uh, who played in the NFL, I asked him what he thought, and he said the, the thing with him is he just he probably can't run with NFL talent. That was his his thought. I know they don't really have a position for him, but he's a he's a guy that loves football, and I and I thought that he fit the culture um, of the 49ers. So I you know I, I as a fifth round pick, I like that too. Then last question on paper right now, then I think the Niners look. Like a playoff team, I, th- I think they look good coming into the year. But are there any spots on the roster that you see as a whole, or that worry you right now? Uh, well, I, I would say cornerback depth. I would not say I see as a whole necessarily, but I'm just concerned about it a little bit, um, given that you know the other three teams in the division all drafted guys that basically run well, receivers that basically run four five four four forties. Excuse me, um, and that I feel like there's been a little more depth at the position the last few years and they've needed every bit of it. Um, you know, I do wonder, I think you when before, uh, I came on and you were just messaging me the other day, you mentioned receiver depth. I do think they need to find, you know, they got to find like, I'll use 16 game numbers, like 30 catches. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so they need to find like 20% perhaps around, um, if we look at them two years ago, there were about 330 catches in the offense. And last year, there were about 370 catches in the offense. So if we, if we just use the number 350, and again, I'm using a 16 game number, mm-hmm. but you need like, to me, the number one thing with this team, it's taking me a while to get to this answer, but this is what I think the number one thing is. You need Kittle to catch a quarter of the ball. You need Ayuk and Debo to combine to catch another 40%. And in order to do that, you need them healthy. Like the right. Chiefs have been to Super Bowls back to back years. Guess what? Kelsey's caught twenty six percent of the passes. 
Last year, Tyree caught 20% of the balls. Patrick Mahomes played every game. The year before, guess what? Kelsey caught 26% of the passes. And Patrick Mahomes played every game. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I could, I, I could go down the road and we could talk about the corners and we could talk about uh, the receiver depth and is Richie James going to be in the slot. But to me, it's is Debo going to be healthy? Is is Ayuk going to be able to play? Is Kittle going to play every game? Is the guy you want to be your starting quarterback going to play every game? That's, that is my, I, I wouldn't, like, I have questions at other places. That's my number one concern. Because that's what winning teams, generally their best players play all the games. And the Niners last year, their best players did not play most of the game. Absolutely. This team's got to stay healthy for them to do anything first and foremost. Absolutely. All right, guy, this was fun, man. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on. We got to do it again. Al, my pleasure, man. Thank you for asking. Appreciate uh, you listening to our stuff and sharing it and uh, happy to do it. Thanks again to Guy Haberman. That was a really fun conversation to have him on and be able to talk some Niners with him. All right, man. (laughs) Has it been a ride the last month or what? Unbelievable. And and look, I just want to start off by saying that this fan base is the soul of the team. This fan base has its fingers on the pulse of the 49ers. This fan base did not fall for the speculation of Mac Jones being pushed as an almost certainty. Did not fall for it. And it it was great to see. And and, and look, I said this before, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but just to touch on all the Mac Jones rumors, because it was a month of, of stress. This should have been an exciting time and it was a little bit stressful, but I, I never had, my issue was never that Mac Jones could have been the pick. I guess he could have been the pick. And I think if the Niners stayed at 12, he, he would have been the pick. That was never my issue. My issue with the whole thing was that people who should know better, some people who should know better were saying that it, like, it was almost a certainty that he would be the pick for, with really no basis for that at all. So was there some truth to it at some point? Was it considered? Who knows? But in the end, there's, there's, there's no way, no way that it, that it was going to be Mac Jones at three. And now we're seeing some things online where we're seeing people saying, well, you know, the Niners aren't being truthful and there, there was a disagreement in the front office about it. And, uh, you know, all these, all these other things kind of, kind of trying to save face. It looks like in, in, in listen, it's 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 over. It, it was clearly not Mac Jones. We we need to move on. It's just it was kind of frustrating, I guess. And a lot of fans said this, and and I said this too. That a lot of people that when they say things on television, again, it wasn't everybody, but a certain number of people they they say things on on television or on Twitter, or you read an article and you kind of take it as gospel. And after this, can you really take it as gospel anymore? I mean, some people were dead wrong, man, dead wrong, and they they really pushed that narrative. And it was, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if I want to call it irresponsible, but it was, it was frustrating, frustrating, but let's put it behind us because the 49ers in my view made the right pick here. I think that they have their first real franchise QB since Steve Young. And what I mean by franchise QB is a guy who's going to really be there for like a decade. True franchise QB. I, I think that they made the right pick here. And let me start by saying that I think Trey Lance is going to be special. And to me, it has nothing to do with what he can do physically. To me, it's, it's, it's the mental side of the game. And Guy talked about it a little bit in the interview too. Lance is extremely smart. So smart to the point 
where he was calling his own line protections in college. I've read that he's a film rat. And when you think of smart QBs, guys who are students of the game type, right? You think of a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady. And I'm I'm not saying he's going to be a Peyton Manning or or Tom Brady. I hope he is. But just guys that are just students of the game and they're watching film and they're smart and they know where to go to with football and they're like a coach on the field. That's what I think Trey Lance is going to end up being. And that excites the hell out of me. And he's also, by all accounts, a great kid and a great leader and someone that you want to be the face of your franchise. And, and Kyle Shanahan talked about, does the person match the tape? And it does for this person. And he said that too. And, and that, can get you, that can get you really, really excited that Trey Lance, the person, the way he carries himself on and off the field, the type of leader he is, the way that he works, that matches what we see on the field with him. The athleticism, the ability to already run a pro-style offense, which he did in college. And Kyle, Kyle said, or, or I, saw, I saw something that came across where the, the Niners felt that Lance was the more pro-ready QB than Mac Jones. And, and I agree. And I know that he, not pro-ready in the sense that, oh, I understand he, he hasn't really played in a year. Pro-ready in that he ran a pro-like system in college. He played with a fullback. He played under center. He made his own line calls. He's very well versed in play action. He's again just going to be able to get up there and make the reads and and, and just saying say, saying the play calls in the huddle. You know that's something for a rookie QB. You say, oh, that shouldn't be a big deal, but it is. They have to learn that stuff. And he's somebody who you know may already be versed on that on that pro style t- type scheme. It's really exciting to get a guy in that who's that far along, and I think he's going to be ready sooner than 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 people think he is now. Are the things he has to work on? Sure. Absolutely. The big thing is he hasn't played really in a year. So no matter how well-versed he is in things, there's still that game speed he's got to get used to. He's got to get back up to speed with that. And the other thing that is a concern is is the accuracy. But if Kyle is who we think he is, if if, if Kyle is is the great coach and, and, and you know we, we think that he is, and there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to coach him up to make the adjustments and improve that accuracy. And the comparison I'll make is Josh Allen, who's one of the guys that he looks like to me in the sense where Allen came in and those first two years with the Bills, you're kind of like, oof, you know, is this guy ever going to be going to be able to be, be an accurate passer? Is he ever going to be a 70% type guy? He worked his butt off and he got there. And I think Lance has a lot of the same qualities as Allen in terms of his hard work and everything like that. And I, I think with the coaching, I think he's going to get there too. I saw something interesting as well. And if you want to knock Lance because he was from a non-FBS school, listen to this. Since 1979, there have been five other QBs drafted in the first round from non-FBS schools. They were Carson Wentz in 2016, Joe Flacco in 2018, Steve McNair in 1995, who also was a good comp for Trey Lance. Um, I believe Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah said that. It's Steve McNair and Trey Lance, a very good comp. Ken O'Brien in 1983, who was a, a two-time Pro Bowler for the Jets. He was a pretty good quarterback. And Phil Sims in 1979. So that's a pretty good group. So all five of those guys have had success in the NFL. And you could say, well, once he had an off year last year, he was still almost the MVP three years ago. He's, if he doesn't play that well, the Eagles don't get to a Super Bowl. So you know, Flacco was a Super Bowl MVP. Steve McNair got to a Super Bowl. Phil, Phil Sims won a Super Bowl. He might have been the Super Bowl MVP too. I think he was that year. And Ken O'Brien got the Jets to the playoffs, which is, you know, <laughs> no small feat for that. 
So all of those non-FBS school quarterbacks were 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 good quarterbacks, um, which is definitely really really cool to see. Really cool to see with that. So then I guess we have to talk about well, where is this going to go with Lance? We're excited about him, but is he going to hit the field right away? Jimmy is there right now. We know that we we know that he's a quarterback, and it looks like. <laughs> the way it's playing out right now that he would start the season as, as a starting quarterback. Let me say this. I think the second, the second Trey Lance is ready. He's going to be on the field. Okay. Not the minute, not the hour, not the week, not the month. I think the second he's ready, he's going to be on the field. And I mentioned to guy, you know, we, you think about what the Niners were doing with Jimmy Garoppolo when he played against the Rams and, and the Patriots before he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the season, they were, they were kind of throwing, they were throwing shovel passes, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like Jimmy was gunning the ball downfield and they were doing all these, this crazy passing stuff. He was kind of handing the ball off, throwing shovel passes, throwing screen passes, throwing, it almost looked like a training wheel offense anyway. So I just kind of wonder if once Lance gets up to speed, if, if Kyle is just going to say, all right, Let's just go because the guy's the future. I mean, what's, what's, what's the point? If you think you can win with Lance and he gives you as much as Jimmy does, what's the point of sitting him there? There, there is none. You want to get him on the field. You want to give him as much experience as possible to set you up for the next 10 years. And a lot of people have said to me, well, Al, well, what about Super Bowl this year? I think, I think we need to pump the brakes with that a little bit. Can the Niners make the Super Bowl? Sure. They have a good team. They're a playoff team. If you get in the playoffs, you have a chance. But we need to stop talking about 2021 and start talking about the next 10 years. This pick was for the next 10 years to set yourself up to be a playoff contender for the next 10 years. Okay. The Niners have lost 10 games, five of the last six seasons. You know, Kyle Shanahan's lost 10 games, three of the last four years. This is not a team where you're like Super Bowl or bust. Let's build this for the next 10 years. And I think they got the quarterback to do that. And, And I'll tell you what, man. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a 49ers fan right now. It really is. All right. The rest of this draft. I thought they did a good job. I really do. It was a little bit surprising, some picks. And it starts in the second round where I was shocked. Shocked that they took Aaron Banks in the second round. I did, I did not see that coming. But I was happy about it because I'm a Notre Dame guy. I watch a lot of Notre Dame games. I watch every Notre Dame game. And Banks is a guy. And the first thing when I heard his name, I said, "Oh, pass protections." That's the that's the first thing that I thought of because he's, he's he's good in pass protection. Actually, he's only. And I'm I'm getting these stats that I'm going to read from the draft picks from uh, the great article that the great Keanu Martin wrote for 49ers.com. So some of the stuff that I'm going to read to you is off of there. Banks allowed only two sacks and 19 pressures in 443 true pass sets over three seasons at Notre Dame, and he did not allow a sack. I do not believe last year. He's a good football player. He's a big guard. And at first, I, I kind of thought, is he going to fit that zone scheme? Are they going to r- run a little bit more power with him? I don't know. We'll see. But he's a good football player. And how many times have we seen or complained or been like, oh, my God, we've seen enough of the interior of the offensive line just getting blown up, just getting blown up. And the Niners to go out in the second round and make that pick. They didn't seem like they put a lot of emphasis on guard to me. You know, it's been a lot of journeymen at that at that right guard position. I know Tomlinson's been set in stone there, and he's been he's been very durable and very reliable for them. 
But the other, the right guard, you've seen your Mike Persons, your Brandon Fusco's, Fusco's, whatever. And it was kind of always a journeyman type thing. Brunskill this year, they said, oh, we'll see how he does. And obviously he had to get moved around because of injuries, but saw McKivitz. Now it looks like they're really investing in that position. And, and, and that's really cool to see. And I, again, I like Banks. I think it's going to be a good pick. I think he's, he's going to be a good, a good fit for them. And maybe it shows a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe an idea has changed for Shanahan, right? A little bit, or maybe he just wants to protect his new investment. I don't know. But I, I was glad to see that in the second round. Now, another thing that I said, if you pay any attention to me at all, I said this a million times on Twitter. I've said it on the show. I said the Niners are going to take a running back sooner than people think. Why did I say that? Your reasons. If you pay attention to what Kyle Shanahan has done and John Lynch as they've built this team since 2017, people say, well, Al, they can just get a running back that um, is an undrafted free agent like Breeder or whatever. They'll be fine. Well, yeah, they've had a lot of luck with the Breeders and the Mosterts and the Jeff Wilsons, but that's not really their MO. If you look at the way that they've approached the running back position, they traded up for Joe Williams. It didn't work out. They signed Jarek McKinnon to a huge contract. It didn't work out. They signed Tevin Coleman to, to a pretty big deal, two years, five mil per year, whatever it was. It's a pretty decent sized deal to come in and get a lot of the carries. Didn't work out. When you look at the running back room this year, yeah, we all love Raheem Mostert, but he hasn't stayed healthy. He's been hurt two of the last three years. And he's also in the last year of his contract, as is Jeff Wilson. In Wayne Gallman, they signed for just a one-year deal. So they didn't really have a running back room after this season. Because of that, I thought they were going to invest in a running back early, and they did. They traded up for Trey Sermon from Ohio State, who, who again, maybe you know, not one of those super speed backs that you're used to seeing, but he he's, looks like he's more of a big bruising type back. But he was definitely one of the top, one of the top four or five backs in the, in this draft. Um, and he's going to come in, and I think he is going to be a huge part of this offense, just a huge part of the offense. And um. We'll see some Jeff Wilson. We'll see some Gallman, maybe if Gallman makes the team. But I think it's going to be Moster and Sermon as a one-two punch. And I think moving forward, you're going to see Sermon as a huge part of this offense. In 2022, it's it's going to be Trey and Trey, right? Trey Lance, Trey Sermon. It's exciting to me. It's an exciting pick. People are like, oh, why'd you take a running back? I liked it. I, I really did. I think he's going to be a huge part of the offense for the next four years, five years, whatever it's going to be. I think he's going to be... As much of a bell cow as Shanahan will have, I don't think you're ever going to see a 300 carry type guy with him. He'll mix in other backs, but I think Sermon is definitely going to um, see a lot of action with this team. And I, and, I, and I thought it was a good pick. Now, as we got later into the third round, though, I was still pretty concerned because they need wide receivers and they need cornerbacks. I'm like, all right, they got to take somebody soon, right? Well, Round three, they go with Ambry Thomas, who I wasn't super familiar with. And, and I guess the reason for that was he didn't play this year. He opted out because of COVID. But I went to school on him a little bit. And Tony Pauline, who's a, who's a draft expert that I, that I respect, said if he played this year, he could have been a top 45 pick. So maybe in a, in a real season, he would have been a guy who would have been a second round pick. And in Kiana's articles, he said um, he started all 13 games in 2019 and recorded three of his four career interceptions. He had three passes defended and two forced fumbles. Um, he was named the Defensive Skill Player of the Year in 2019 for Michigan and was also named a Pro Football Focus's College All-Big Ten team on defense for the second team. Now, he's a guy, you look at the Niners' cornerback position. You got Jason Verrett, you got Emmanuel Mosley, and you have Quan Williams right now. So 
he's a guy that could slide in. He could slide in as one of your top backups right now if they don't go out and, and resign, I don't know, Richard Sherman or somebody like that. He could he could play a big role this season. I think that pick is more for 2022. He he gets a year under his belt this year, and he's maybe someone who could start next year. Because again, Brett's only on a one-year deal. Williams is only on a one-year deal. And the big elephant in the room with to me at corner is Jason Verrett. Yeah, was he great last year? Absolutely. He had a terrific season. But he played like six games over a four-year stretch before that. To rely on him to be your lockdown number one corner when he has a history of injuries like that, it's pretty risky. Um, I'm glad the Niners invested a third round pick in a cornerback, but it's still worried there. And again, it's something I mentioned the running backs. If you pay attention to you know Kyle Shanahan's MO and John Lynch's MO, same thing with the corners. They take cornerbacks in the third round. They did it with Witherspoon. They did it with Tarverius Moore. That seems to be about where they value them. So I wasn't surprised to see the cornerback go in the third round there. Um, hopefully they've done enough to shore that up. Because if injuries happen, you know, it, it can get a little bit, it can get a little dicey back there. So moving to the fifth round, and I'm not even going to pretend I'm familiar with some of these guys. Um, they drafted offensive lineman Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. Um, Moore was a two-time second team all-max selection. He started 32 of 37 career games, allowing just seven sacks and over a thousand pass blocking snaps. So again, what's the theme there? Pass protection in the interior. And they got a lot going on in the offensive line now. Obviously, your starters, you're going to have McGlinchey and Williams at tackle. Alex Mack will play center. Lakin Tomlinson is the left guard. I mean, that's as locked in as locked in can be for those four. And then you kind of see, well, where do people fit in here? I'm a big Daniel Brunskill fan. I think Aaron Banks will be the starter at right guard. I, I think they drafted him to do that. And as, as long as he doesn't disappoint, I, I think he'll be that guy. What do you do with Brunskill? Because Brunskill was terrific at tackle. Terrific at tackle in 2019. Do you make him the swing tackle? Do you work him in at center? Do you make you know? Do you do you train him to take over for Alex Mack? Is that is that the plan? Do is he the guy who kind of just is going to be the main backup on the interior? I don't know. And then you have McKivitz and you have Justin School and I think Sean Coleman might be back this year as well. I believe um, after last season. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of bodies on that offensive line. And I thought last year they were going to have a good offensive line. I was wrong. Didn't happen, but I think the center position had a lot to do with that. I think because they went through four centers or whatever the hell it was, the interior never really got comfortable. You know, McGlinchey ended up having a tough year, but I think they're going to be better this year. And I think you're going to see better pass protection from the interior. And obviously, protecting Trey Lance is going to be um, primary for them. We'll see with McGlinchey. They did pick up his fifth year option. He probably played better than most people would think last year. It's just when he was bad, it was like, was at the worst time, or he just got beat so terribly that it was hard not to notice. But he's still a good run blocker. If he can get better in pass protection, I think that offensive line will be good. Also in the fifth, they took, uh, I'll let me try this name, Diomedere Lenore, who is a cornerback out of Oregon. Um, now, he's had 34 consecutive starts at corner. Durable. That's huge for them. Notched 30 tackles, 53.1% completion percentage when he was targeted. Um, which was good for third best among Pac-12 corners. So he's a guy that that we'll see. Um, because they're so short at corner, he can make the team. He can definitely make the team. We'll have to see how he does on special teams. Um, and we'll see if he can he he can come in. Can he be one of the top five guys? 
I think it's wide open after the top three. So if he can come in, contribute on special teams, we'll see how he does. When you get into these late round picks, it's a crapshoot. I know the Niners have done well there. Obviously, George Kittle, DJ Jones, guys like that. Even you know, even somebody like Adrian Colbert, who wasn't on the team very long, but he was a seventh round pick and he started for them for a little while. They've done pretty well toward, towards the end there. So we'll see how these guys um, shape out. One pick I did like in the fifth round was safety. Uh, to, and I'm sorry, I'm awful at names. Tilanoa Hufanga out of USC. And guy I mentioned, he's, John Lynch said he's, he's, he's a tough guy, tough player. Uh, started six games in 2020, team high 62 tackles for USC, five and a half for loss um, with three sacks, team best four interceptions. Looks like a good player and maybe a Jaquaski Tart replacement in 2022. Box safety can do some things. Um, he's, he's an exciting pick to me in the fifth round. He really is. He's a guy that I can see where all of a sudden you're like, well, this was a fifth round pick. This was one of those picks that the Niners took late that all of a sudden is making an impact for them. And with safety position, I, I believe other than Ward, I'm not even sure who they have signed past this season. So he can be a guy that maybe can step in and start in 2022. We'll see. Or maybe it'd be a primary backup. I like that pick. I definitely did. Round six, still no receivers, but they went with another running back, Elijah Mitchell, who's fast. He's a fast running back. He does look like a Niners back. Rushed 141 times for 878 yards, uh, 6.2 yards per carry. Um, his yards total was third in his conference and 23rd nationally. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that running back room. They can't keep all of them. They're not going to keep all of them. You got Mostert, you got Wilson, you got Sherman, Sherman, you got Gallman, you have Hasty, who I don't think is really going to be on the team, and Austin Walter, who again, I know I think is going to be on the outside looking in. But out of Mostert, Wilson, Gallman, Sherman, and Mitchell, one of those guys, maybe two aren't dressing. So. It's going to be really interesting to see where they go with that and what they do with the running back position. But again, I think that was a pick that was made for the next two or three years. That's a guy that if they think he's somebody who can come in and and produce for them, he's somebody that they'll stick around, that'll stick around. Um, You know, you draft Trey Lance and you start to build your team or at least plug in some pieces to help or to help with Trey Lance, you know, to do the things that he does well. So you would think as, as, as Kyle and John are making these picks and Adam Peters and whoever else that they're picking Mitchell and Sermon and, and these offensive linemen with, with Trey Lance in mind. So to me, you know, I was a little concerned they didn't, they didn't take a receiver and I'll get into that in a minute, but overall, I really like this draft. I'm, I'm not going to put a grade on it because I, I, I know it's fun to do, but you don't know. We're not going to know for three years. And to be honest with you, they could whiff on every pick except Lance. If Lance is a franchise quarterback, it's an A, right? If Lance is that good, that's all that really matters. So, but overall, I was happy. It was, I mean, I was surprised, but I was happy with the way that it went. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I love what they did with the running backs. I'm excited for that offense. Defense, I am worried about the corners because if someone goes down, there's a lot of speed, a lot of speed, a lot of good receivers, man. Metcalf, Lockett, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, um, Hopkins, and, and all those teams drafted fast receivers. It's a little bit scary. And I know the Niners, you hope that they're going to have a better pass rush with Bosa. A lot of guys healthy, a lot of good defensive linemen there, but if D Ford can maybe come back. But again, man, those, those corners got to play their part too. And I don't think the Niners put a ton of emphasis on corners. Like I said, they tend to you know, third, third round picks type thing. 
maybe try to find some bargains, but I am a little bit worried there. I'm also worried about receiver because like Guy and I were talking about, yeah, if everybody stays healthy, we're good, right? Ayuk, I think, is going to take off in his second year. Debo, we know what he can do when he's healthy and Kittle's, Kittle's a beast. But and it's, fu- it's funny to say this because so many people complained, complained about him, but you got to replace Kendrick Bourne because Kendrick Bourne got those. We were talking about who's going to catch those 35, 40 balls. Those were the balls that Kendrick Bourne caught. And Bourne caught a lot of third down passes. And when guys were hurt, Bourne was a reliable person. He wasn't a number one. He probably wasn't even a number two, but he, he was pretty reliable. You know, he can go in there and get you two or three catches, a couple big catches. And I don't know if they have anyone to do that right now. We'll see about Richie James in the slot. I, I, I guess he could be somebody there. D- do you have faith in, in, in Muhammad Sanu? Um, do you have faith in the uh, uh, undrafted free agent Watkins that they brought in? I think he maybe can be somebody that can stick. D- do you think Jalen Hurd is going to come back? I mean, two years, the guy hasn't been on the field. He's been hurt. And he's never played an NFL down. You think Jennings is going to contribute? I, I don't know. Do you go out and get someone like Golden Tate just to be a vet early to help? Not really sure. They're not totally sure what the plan is there beyond those top two guys. I do not know. Uh, I do worry about that a little bit. I know Kyle can scheme stuff up, but I, I think they need another player there. I do. So that that was one of the things I was a little surprised with the draft that they didn't take anybody. But I also felt if you take a wide receiver, you got to do it early because if you're taking a guy in the fifth or sixth round or whatever, it's going to kind of probably be a project guy anyway, right? So I thought the second round, they may jump in and take and take another receiver high. I know we've seen it with Pettis. I know we've seen it with Debo. And Ayuk was obviously a first-round pick. thought they might do it again. It didn't work out that way. But we'll see. That's If you had asked me a concern right now, like, Al, what are you most concerned about? I think that that's it. I, I, I think it's the receiver position. But other than that, going into the season, look, good, good free agency. They brought a lot of guys back. It was a good draft. The offensive line looks, looks improved. The running back room looks improved. The receivers, if they can stay healthy, look good. And George Kittle's one of the best in the game. Again, if he can stay healthy. Jimmy, we'll see what happens. I still think Trey Lance is going to get in there sooner than later. And that could obviously be a huge upgrade at quarterback. We'll see. Defensively, I like the depth on the defensive line. Um, I think they got that back. They have, you know, the linebackers, Warner. We're not worried about the linebacker group. Safeties, I think, are okay. Corners, I'm concerned about the depth too. So it's like those skill positions on with the receivers and the corners, I think, are where you should be worried about with the Niners right now. But look, I think on paper, I still think it's a playoff team. I do. I think they're going to be better. Now that division's a buzzsaw, man. It really is. And I don't think you can go into the season saying Super Bowl or bust. You can't. I think I know they have guys on one-year deals, but I think you have to go into the season saying, okay, now let's start building for the next 10 years. Let's get these building blocks in there. Let's win now. Let's let's get in the dance. You know, let's go for the chip, but but do that knowing that we're building this for the long haul. I don't want to have another year like 2019 where they invested in some guys and Quan Alexander got hurt. D Ford got hurt. Weston Richburg got hurt. And now we're moving away from that. And 2019 was great, but that team, it seems like, or at least part of that team, there was a short window there. Let's let that, let's throw that window wide open with the quarterback and, and a lot more of these young guys and let's stay healthy and let's get after it for the next 10 years. So Definitely very exciting time to be a Niners fan. Um, you know, like I said, it's been emotional for everybody. And I know on Twitter, everybody's been going back and forth. And, and I would say I always appreciate you guys interacting with me. 
And I hope um, I made it a little bit easier for you guys to get through this, I guess. Um, I've been pretty vocal on Twitter. You know, I try not to go too crazy on there. Sometimes, I guess, I don't know, I tweet things that I, I maybe I want to take back. But I know I was very outspoken with the Mac Jones stuff. It just pissed me off because the information I had was that the Niners weren't saying anything and nobody really knew. And it seemed like that turned out to be correct. So, I, you know, I was pretty vocal with that. But listen, it was fun, right? I don't ever want to go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> hope we don't we don't need a quarterback which Trey Lance is going to be 21 this year yeah hopefully we don't need a quarterback uh for about another 15 20 years or so hopefully it's a while so we'll see what happens but all right guys thank you for listening thanks to Guy Haberman until next time this is Al Sacco thank you 